look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. We've got a special episode this week. Glad you're here with me to experience it. We've got Brett Favre in what I'm calling Brett Favre at 50, the podcast. Pretty imaginative. I met with Favre in August at his home in Mississippi, in southern Mississippi, and sat with him for three quarters of an hour going over his career his hopes, his fears about what will happen to him mentally from taking uh, a career, not only in the NFL, but in college and high school football, which he brought up, uh, and what will end up happening to him in his later years. His birthday is this week, Thursday, October 10, and I think he's probably a little bit more fearful, as he says in this podcast, about mentally how he will be as he turns 50 than he was at, say, 30 or 35. It's a extended conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but first, before we get to Favre, I'd like to spend a minute or two talking about the NFL franchise in Washington and the events of this week where Washington president Bruce Allen and owner Daniel Snyder met with coach Jay Gruden on Monday morning and decided to fire him. That was pretty much a natural. Jay Gruden is 14 games under 500 in his six years as coach. Uh, He had enough time to turn this program around, didn't do it. Uh, No one, I'll never say, well, boy, he really deserved to be fired. But if anybody uh, could see, I mean, everybody could see this coming. And again, uh, I don't like to see anybody lose his or her job, but that's what you sign up for in the NFL. You have to win. And Jay Gruden, 1-11, I believe, in his last 12 games, just didn't win enough. But I think this is more about the organization than it is about the person who led them. Um, There has been significant discussion in the last few weeks, especially with a story in the Washington Post last week that – Uh, Dwayne Haskins, the first-round draft pick of Washington in April, the quarterback from Ohio State, was the choice of the owner, Daniel Snyder, and not the choice of the head coach, Jay Gruden. And that just leads me to, to think that in the two decades that Daniel Snyder has owned this team, he has stuck his nose into the business, the football business of this team, far, far too much. In latter years, he has left much of the team business, football business, to his, quote, football people, end quote, and they still haven't won. And again, I am not one of those people who believes that uh, that people ought to be fired willy-nilly, 
But in the NFL, it's a meritocracy. Bruce Allen has not done a good enough job to deserve uh, keeping his position as team president. Daniel Snyder absolutely unequivocally, uh, if he truly loves this franchise in Washington, he should sell it. He should sell it to somebody who will leave the football business alone, sit in the back of the room on draft day, enjoy the process, and not tell people who know football who to pick at quarterback. That's number one. Number two, I think that because it's still one of 32 jobs in the NFL, they'll get a good head coach. They will not get one of the dregs. I believe that whether it be – I mean, there will be a good list of candidates. And whether it be, let's say, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, uh, Josh McDaniels of New England. I don't think McDaniels would go there. But Eric Bieniemy wants to be a head coach. Um, if he's got five offers in January, I doubt he would take Washington. If he's got one, my feeling is he'd probably take Washington. So I, I, I think there's that, but I think immediately uh, this franchise needs to get a football czar who is widely respected throughout the NFL. Uh, if uh, Daniel Snyder and the powers that be decide that's Doug Williams, give the job to Doug Williams and let him make all of those decisions. But at this point, there's just too much interference and there's too poor a record uh, in recent years to continue on this path that Washington right now is traveling. And I'll end with this. I find it absolutely, uh, well, outrageous is not the wrong word, but wrongheaded and a stupid business move that Washington in August did not entertain the thought of trading uh, its left tackle, Trent Williams. Now, Trent Williams in the previous four years had missed 15 games due to injury. He's 31 years old. As you saw by what happened with the Houston Texans trading a ransom in order to get a good left tackle in Laramie Tunsil, that, believe me, Houston coach Bill O'Brien wanted Trent Williams. But it was clear that Washington was not going to entertain any offers for Trent Williams. In my opinion, if I were Washington, if I were Bruce Allen, I would have taken a one in late August for Trent Williams, which surely they could have gotten uh, from Houston. Could they get a one now? I doubt it. I doubt it sincerely. For a 31-year-old left tackle who's missed 15 games in four years, to be able to get a one, a one would be a bonus. And I just think at this point, this shows why in the world Bruce Allen did not take advantage of a situation where there was a hungry market for Trent Williams. And it wasn't just Washington. There were other, or it wasn't just Houston, rather. There were other teams interested. This just shows where this franchise is right now. Uh, I doubt that Trent Williams is going to show up if he does show up and play the rest of this year. In my opinion, what good will that do to a team that's going to finish 3-13 and 13 and probably, probably will not have him in 2020? It's a foolish gambit by this organization, which has had many of those in the last several years. Now, let's get to our, my conversation in August in Summerall, Mississippi, at the home of Brett Favre. Now, you may notice during the conversation that you might hear some thunder. <laughs> there was a huge 
Mississippi thunderstorm on this about 95-degree afternoon. So don't be frightened. It's some interesting background noise. I don't even know if, the, if you'll be able to hear it. I can hear it when I listen back to the recording. But anyway, hope you enjoy it. Here is my conversation with Brett Favre. Reporting from outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's pouring rain outside, and I'm sitting in Brett Favre's house. And I thought that on the occasion of his 50th birthday, which is coming up here very soon on October 10th, that we would come down and record a little bit of retrospective on the life and times of Brett Lorenzo Favre. How you doing? That sounds like a, a bestseller. It's, no, it sounds like it's, a precursor to a funeral. That's what it is. Uh, I wasn't thinking that. But <laughs> <laughs> you always bring great news. I do, you. don't great I? Great yeah, to see yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you too. So uh, I, I just uh, – I'm, I'm so happy to be here because I, uh, we, I covered you a lot yeah. when you were a player – and we had a lot of interesting moments, but I think the moments that I remember most are you falling asleep in my house with, well, ho- I with did, holy socks on. I did, yeah, I did fall asleep in your house, and I did have holes in my socks. But I bet you don't remember what movie it was on at the time. Um, I'm gonna guess and say uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Son of Flubber. No, I, I, I was wrong. Oh yeah, you were wrong. But anyway, so. The deal is, football coverage used to be a little bit simpler in those days. And uh, in those days, um, players and reporters probably knew each other a little bit better and talked a little bit more openly than they do. But I also – and that was in the late 80s, uh, 90s and, you know, going in. But I also think that what the difference is is that you were just a different person. You, um, you know, you could have a conversation for an hour about anything. Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blade, um, you know, what you were having trouble with in your golf swing, what you saw on the National Geographic special last night with Boyd Matson, and the incredible diversity of opinion. You didn't normally like to watch football games on TV. You didn't really like regular television. You kind of thought it was all a waste of time. But And so you had a lot of interest. And for a guy who's from small-town Mississippi, you would think would have very fixed interests, and you had a jillion of them. How do you think that ever happened? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I was like that as a kid. I think I was um, like most kids in small-town Mississippi, uh, kind of entrenched in – I say county, you know, and being all league baseball, you know. With, that was your big goal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't remember as a kid. I, I, what I do remember, I guess, more than anything, is my goals were set high. They were limited goals, but they were, they were high, and they were two. I was going to play pro baseball, major league baseball, or NFL football, and there was no third. Now, I went to, to college, obviously, to play football at Southern Miss, but I was, uh, as a backup plan, I was going to be a teacher and a, and a coach because that's what my mother and father did. Um, but, again, 
my goals were either Major League Baseball or football. Um, you know, growing up, it wasn't like we were exposed, and, and I think our generation, and I, I include you in this, Peter, we grew up with three channels maybe. Right. We didn't grow up with you want to watch it, we have it on TV. We were very limited, so you were not exposed to a lot of stuff. There was not social media. Um, people actually re read the paper. Um, so I say all that uh, because I, I sort of blossomed uh, in a good way in some respects and, and not so good in others. But, but like you said, you know, you wouldn't have guessed it at 12 years old that I would be I don't want to, I don't say this braggingly, but uh, diversified in my thoughts and right. You know, I I opened up. I, I hated getting getting in front of people to talk. Uh, I but I but I felt at home on the football field in front of thousands of people. Um, I was never into politics growing up. Uh, didn't really care one way or the other. I, I was just focused on one thing, and and that was baseball and football, and and that was it. Um, I think a lot of people would be really interested now in kind of how you're doing. Um, I always thought that at some point in your life, um, you would probably feel some of the things that you played through, Yeah. you know, and, um, you said something very telling. I remember just before you went into rehab, um, you know, early in your career when you had your Vicodin problem and you said that, you know, a lot of people would always say that they wanted to be you mm -hmm. and how great it would be to be Brett Favre. And you said to me that, well, a lot of people would like to be Brett Favre, but if you felt the way I felt a lot of the time, I don't think you'd like to be Brett Favre, no matter how big the rewards yeah. are. And so you became almost as famous for how much you went through to play mm -hmm. as how great you played. So at this point, you wake up in the morning, quite literally right now, what hurts? My neck is killing me. Yeah. Now, maybe I slept on the, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the pillow wasn't right or something. I don't know. But for the most part, prior to waking up this morning, my neck hurting like crazy. And I have no... My only explanation would be 1,500 sacks yeah. at some point are going to start showing. Whether now, how many times are you say is that college I, and pro? I don't know, but I think I have the record for I, – I, I, at one time I had every record, good and bad. <laughs> this is one that's really I, – I look at as almost laughable, at least at this point in my, my life, uh, most times sacked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to, some of some of the records I have. You have to play a very, very long time to yeah to accumulate. But I feel good. I'm often asked, "Do you feel normal?" And I really don't know what normal feels like. And I I, I think any any 50 year old they got complaints, and quite frankly. Normal as opposed to what twenty one. Well, I mean, let's say what what about your ankles and feet, which got the crap they pop. Beat you out know, I, I I would be terrible at hide and seek. 
because you would hear me coming because I crack and right. creak. Yeah. Not so much hurt. Um, and like I tell people, I'm able to – it's thundering, by the way. Yeah, I um, can hear it. That's not sound effects. This yeah. podcast is for real. Yeah. But I, I tell people all the time that uh, uh, I'm able to do what I want to do. You know, it's not like – you know, if I if I want to, I've tried snow skiing. I'm terrible at it. Not because I was sacked 1,500 times, just because I'm just terrible at it. Right. But I'm able to go do it. If I if I choose to go play golf, uh, I'm not very good at it, but I can I can still do it uh, without any restrictions. Um, you know, I think for me, what I have fear of more than anything that. 20 years ago was not even a thought is the mental side of it. Right. Because there's, there's so many stories that you hear about, uh, sad stories. Um, what about now? Like, can you, do you ever say, where did I put my car keys and think it might be more than just where did I put my car keys? You know, uh, you and I were talking before we started the podcast and, and here's a perfect example. you, we have a lot of stories that you and I, there, we've talked a lot of football, but yeah. we've probably talked more about foot, non-football related stuff. Right. And had you've been to our house so many times, um, obviously covering, but but also because you were you became part of the family, mm-hmm. and and there's some of the stories that you brought up I don't remember and you know you hear people maybe talk, part of that is natural, but. But you probably – that's probably not a great feeling for you, is it, to not remember those well, stories? Well, uh, there was a point in my life where I, I, I remembered everything. Yeah. And what's, what's – Well, it, it, let me, let me tell just to just to tell the listeners, in 1995 I did a story on a week in the life of a football team with the Green Bay Packers. Mike Holmgren said, you got the run of the building. You can sit in on anything. You can listen to anything. So two times – I sat in on your uh, quarterback meetings with Steve Mariucci, Ty Detmer, and TJ Rubley, who is the number three quarterback. And this is what I will never forget. One day, I forget what day of the week it was, you fell asleep in the meeting. Okay, maybe not a rare occurrence. You fell asleep in the meeting, and you had to take a test later about that week's game plan against the Minnesota Vikings. And I asked Mariucci how he did, and he goes, just like he always does, he never fails these. He always gets them right. Even though, I said, even though he, he slept through part of this, and he goes, he will get it by the end of the week. He always gets it by the end of the week. You had that talent, didn't you? The, the sort yeah. of the ability to hear something once that a lot of people have. You know, we were talking about Sling Blade yeah. with Billy Bob Thornton. You saw it once, yeah. and you remembered complete sentences of dialogue yeah. in that movie. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember Brown Left Tight Close, Z Right, Sprint Right Solid, Z Quick Drags, one of the first plays I ever learned as a Packer. I couldn't tell you what it meant. Yeah. But it just – rolls off my tongue and that play was not a play that we ran maybe five times in 16 years Hmm. um but then a story that that i should know uh whether it's one from you or someone else um 
I have no recollection of it. And it bugs you to not remember. Well, it, it? bugs me. It makes me wonder. Right. And I and I'll back up. Dr. Julian Bells, who was uh, portrayed by Alec Baldwin in the movie Concussion. Yeah. I'd never heard of him. So not long after I retired, my agent Bus calls me and says, "Are you familiar with Dr. Julian Bells?" And I said, "No, I'm not." And he said, "Well, he's was the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, doctor. Now he is working on concussions. Uh, I didn't know t- to what extent." Um, it was a lot more clear after I saw the movie. But anyway, he said he wants to talk to you. So I said, oh, okay, sure. So we talked on the phone, and he was doing a study, and you're probably familiar with this. And, and, and this was the first time I had heard it uh, in my discussion with him. But he was doing a study to determine if tau protein, which yeah. I had never heard of, was – he had discovered that there was high levels of tau protein in all the deceased players that he had studied. Right. And several of those were Steelers mm-hmm. guys. And so he uh, wanted to do it on living, whether pre- present playing or, or just retired, to determine if there's a relationship between this tau protein and problems. Right. Uh, so I said, what is tau protein? And he says, well, tau protein is – everyone has it. That's, it's not abnormal. Elevated levels, in my opinion, with my studies, are a result of head trauma. Mm-hmm. So it made more sense. And I said, okay. He said, we'd fly you out here in a private jet. And it wasn't a thing where they'd pay you. So we'd fly you out here in a private jet, do a couple of days. Um, I think it was at UCLA, something like that. And um, and then you're free to go home. And I said, well, Doc, let me just ask you one question. Say I do have elevated levels of tau protein. Do you have something to treat it? And he goes, no. So I'm sorry to say, but we're, we're, we're early on in this study. And I said, no disrespect, but I'd rather not know. And And he understood. Because then every time you forget your keys or your glasses are on your head, that happens to everyone. Are you thinking, I got tau protein, elevated levels. I got mm-hmm. head trauma. And, you know, I, I just would rather not know. Um, and, and it's easier to write it off as, well, you know, you get 50, you forget your keys, and they're in your pocket. Right. And, you, and that's true. But I also know that, the way I played and the fact that I played 20 years and then you count four years in college and in high school, which should never be overlooked because that, that was at a time when the brains and the and – In your formative developed. formative years, yeah. So I – there's a lot of fear. I mean, I, I knew Junior Seau very, very well. Um, I wouldn't say we were close friends, but I knew him very well, played against him a ton. And you, you knew Junior. That guy loved life. Yeah. He he was – I thought he'd play forever. Yeah. And just the last person I would ever think that would kill himself would be Junior Seau. He, yeah. Just no way. He's got too much to – you know, he, he had too much energy. Right. So, it's it's kind of – you know, this is a strange way of of explaining or describing it. But it's like when Joe Montana was traded to Kansas City Chiefs, anything can happen. Yeah. And I love life. I, 
I love everything about it. I have good days and bad days, but I love everything about it. I don't want to leave this place. I know yeah. at some point I, I do. But if he can do that, what about me? Right. And so that's that's kind of where I am with that. You know, the, it used to be, boy, how are your knees? How, yeah. how are your hips? And not that those haven't taken a, you know, a considerable amount of damage, but. Do you ever feel? Do you ever feel like you you are more depressed or just depressed compared to what you used to be? Um, again, I think I look a little more closely, maybe analyze more than I should. That maybe it's 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 really not as big a deal as, it, and it's yeah. probably not. So, yes and no. I I, I quickly kind of deflect those. I'm able to kind of just say, you know. You're almost 50, but you're able to do and feel like, I, I, I assume if you ask me at 21 what I, what I hoped I'd feel and, uh, and be able to do at 50, I, 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 don't, I can't imagine that I would describe it any better than I, than I have it right now. Mm -hmm. And in saying that, that's not that there's not aches and pains and difficulties in remembering certain right. things. I, you know, words – that are really simple words that I can't get out, you know, and you probably have noticed a couple of times. So I, and I go, damn, that's the easiest word, but I can't remember it. Hmm. Now, again, is that what happens when you're, you're closing in on 50? I'm going to say yes. So, you know, I can't complain. Yeah. Um, do you ever regret how long you played? That's a – Great question, Peter. I just had this conversation with someone uh, a few weeks back. Because you know why? Today, Matt Ryan just told me the other day, visiting uh, the Atlanta training camp, and I'm paraphrasing it, basically they'll have to drag me off the field. You know, I'm going to play until I can't play anymore. And that's what you did, basically. Yeah, yeah that was what I did. I actually relished that. Uh, role maybe is boy you know that guy is as Holmgren used to call me John Wayne you know yeah. I, the more he said that or the more I played hurt and played well the more I dug my heels in and I love to play the game but there was a part of me numerous times and you were covering me on numerous occasions where will he or won't he and quite frankly, Monday, I would have said, there's no way in hell I'm going to play with a broken thumb on my throwing hand. And not only did I play, we beat the Vikings on Monday night in Minnesota and had one of the best games up to that point that I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again. And, you know, at the time, concussions were not an issue. If you had a concussion, you sat out for a little bit, and the coach was like, where in the hell is Favre, you know? Get his ass back in there. Yeah, that's the way it was. You know, that was that was that was it. Now we know a lot more about concussions and the seriousness of it. And I, I've been I've been asked uh, a lot in the last few years. Knowing now what you know, go back. Would you play any different? Would you play as long? And and honestly, I don't. I really don't have. I don't know. I really don't know. But but I do know this. I'm a lot more fearful now than I was at 35. 
35, I knew I was getting closer to the end, but I, I, I don't think concussions were thought of it when I was 35 near as serious or the repercussions could really be, you may live, but your quality of life may be terrible. Uh, it, it was more, well, as long as you can make it through without bad knees, you can play golf, you can do whatever. But it's, 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 I think Matt Ryan would fall into a category, I think, uh, of the minority now. I think more guys are, are, are looking uh, or examining how long they want to play or why do I want to play or why I want, want to retire when I do. Mm -hmm. Pat Willis was one of those guys I thought yeah. was a good example. Justin Smith. Um, and I, you know, I've never talked to them personally, but I think that they probably took a good hard look and thought, I made good money, I'm healthy, maybe it's time to step away. I think we'll see more of that as time goes by. So you you have had thoughts that maybe you did stay too long at the dance. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I wonder every day what tomorrow will bring from yeah. just from what I did playing. Yeah, and the John Wayne was cool then. Maybe not so cool now. You had a hell of a time, didn't you? I wouldn't trade any of it. You know, I, I the good and the bad. I, I spoke in most recently. I spoke at a boys and girls club in Huntsville, Alabama. There's 1,500 people, and uh, was asked a lot of questions. Um, one was if you could go back and change something. And I said, let me stop you. I always get this question. I wouldn't change anything. It is what it is. First of all, we can't change it. So it's ridiculous to even think that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if everything was good, if I completed every pass, we won every game, how would you ever know what that, what a, a, a real great win would be like, like the Minnesota over San Francisco in the last second? If, if you never lost a game, how would you know what, what it's like? To, mm -hmm. to win a game like that. You have to kind of suffer through some bad times in order to appreciate the good ones. And um, and I honestly, that's the way I look at it. I had a blast. Was it, would, would, do I, would I like to have won more Super Bowls? Of course. But I, I don't – when I left, I, my head was held high. And I said this in my Hall of Fame speech, and I could not be more honest. Um uh, I gave everything I could. I hold no regrets. And it's something I, as a coach, I would tell our, my kids or I tell my own kids or I'll tell my grandkids. Whatever you want to do, make sure that at 25 you don't look back and say, you know, I should have played or I should have worked harder or I, I could have been – the best at my class, whatever that may be, or at 35 or at 40. Because when that time comes, and you know this, and you probably told your kids the same thing, when you leave high school, you don't go back. Yeah. So you better make the most of it. And, and every adult that I've ever been around when talking about this, this uh, subject, they all say the same thing. If they could go back, they'd go back. Not because you love chemistry or biology, but – it was a simpler time in life. Mm -hmm. So we all have some regrets to a certain extent, but um, there are some that are controllable. And 
you, you got to have the, the absolute best time you can you can have, but you got to work hard at it. And I know I did that. Never once can can I, because I know it never happened that I go into a game ill prepared. Did I play great every game? Absolutely not. But it wasn't because I didn't try my hardest. And and for that reason, I'm proud of what I did, and had a blast doing it. Is Patrick Mahomes the quarterback who is most like you? I would say yes, yes. Um, uh, I, the one thing I would say, and I think I may have told you this prior to, to sitting down, that he's probably more polished. In fact, he, he is more polished. And if you, you have to remember, I think our styles are very similar. We use our feet. Use our arm strength. You never know what what's going to come out, including me, including him. He, you know, you don't say, well, "I'm going to option this one on the next play." It just happens. And I think that your talent level. And I'll be back up. Good example of limitations. Ty Detmer, great friend of mine, teammate. I would make a throw in practice, and he was saying, "Oh, there was three guys there." I'm like, yeah, so. I said, you wouldn't make that throw? And he goes, hell no, I wouldn't make that throw. I said, why not? And he goes, I know my limitations. I'm not going to – no way in hell. Patrick and I uh, haven't – there's no – there's never no, uh, unlimited limitations. Mm -hmm. But uh, you feel like there's nothing you you can't accomplish. And – and in some ways, you, you get get by with stuff that you go, what in the hell was he thinking? But if anybody can do it, he can do it. But, you know, he well, – I left Southern Miss, and I had no idea what reading a curl the flat flat defender mm -hmm. meant or a four-week blitz or a shotgun or a high-low or a triangle read. My deal was run the option. And if we pass, we sprint it out. And I'll never forget my first coach. I asked him, Jack White, great guy. I said, Coach White, I said, well, what do we do if they blitz? And he goes, you make some shit happen. <laughs> and I went, I like that. <laughs> At 17. Mike Holmgren didn't always like that in your early years, no, though. No, no. <laughs> but quite a change when I went on to, to Green Bay, and much was required of the quarterback. Yeah. And – much was expected. Little did Mike know, there was very little training. Well, I could throw it. I could yeah. run around and make something happen, and I could sling it, and you would go, wow. But Mike wanted to read the slant. If the slant's not there, throw the drag. Yeah. I want you to read the triangle. You, you, got, you got Sterling to Ed West to, to Dorsey Levins. You know, if there's someone in the window – then you go here. You know, that was new to me. So I was learning on the fly mm -hmm. and relying on – so many times I would – I'd drop back, I'd take off running and make a, something out of what seemed like nothing. And Holmgren the next day would say, where are you going? I said, what do you mean? He goes, we had it picked up. I go, easy for you to say. <laughs> I'm getting out of there. I went where I felt comfortable. In other words, you had, you had the blitz picked up, and you yeah, didn't it think It may not even did. be a blitz. Yeah. 
uh, I, but, but yeah, I, I would say more times than not when someone would blitz, I would assume he's not picked up. And, but I went to what I felt comfortable with, and that was my, my, my mobility and buying time with my legs and using my arm strength because I knew if I bought time, somebody, I could find somebody. Where someone like Ty, he would never even attempt that because that wasn't part of his, you know, his weapons. Yeah. Are you glad you played football? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even with all the danger and not knowing what you're going to be like when you wake up when you turn 60? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, knew, I knew it was dangerous. I knew, you know, maybe not to the, a 12-year-old. You know, you tell a 12-year-old, all right, you have too many concussions at 50. They ain't worried about that. That's for parents to, to decide. But, you know, I grew up in that – in that world and um you know my, my dad obviously was my coach but uh very little coaching in regards to x's and o's tons of coaching and toughness and leadership and and it worked it worked i think what i feel like what set me apart more than anything yeah i had probably better arm strength than most but I think guys would have killed for me. And, you know, I, and I don't want to say this braggling, but I think guys enjoyed playing with me a lot. In mm -hmm. days when they didn't feel like having fun at practice, they had no choice because Favre is going to come slap me on the ass and say, let's go, let's have a good practice. And I just had to have a good practice. And so those, those are the moments when I think back and people say, do you miss playing? No, I don't miss playing, but I miss those moments, those, those, uh, those moments with, with your teammates on the bus, or on the practice field or in the locker room or, you know, uh, it, it never is like when I think back of fond memories, it's not at third and 15 and, you know, what are we going to call? And maybe we made it, maybe we didn't. It's, it's more, some laughable moment that at the time seemed so ridiculous that you'd never remember it. Perhaps even the remote control fart machine under Mike Holmgren's seat on the way to Soldier Field. One of all-time great memories of an illustrious 20-year career. One of my favorite, fondest memories is that I, and I say this braggingly, had a fart machine and had four farts on it. Now, some of you may be cringing watching this, but people probably that tune into this tel this podcast are people like us. We're losers. Okay? <laughs> so I had a fart machine with a remote control, and there was a guy who Peter does know who's passed away now, Lee Rimmel. Yeah. Leland J. Rimmel. He was the PR director, longtime PR director for the Packers. And uh, I loved him to death. He was a... He's an old-time uh, old-time dry, dry, dry guy. Yeah. Uh, Lee, how you doing today? I'm doing uh, most certainly well. <laughs> oh, great, Lee. <laughs> what a weird dude. But I loved him. Am I right? Yeah. Lee was you that were way. great with Lee. So right he on. was he was a perfect person to pull this prank on. So we played the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football, Halloween night. It was awful, awful weather. We were loading the first bus to go over to the stadium. And I always sat with our strength coach, who was the best man at my wedding, Kent Johnson, great guy, from Mahia, Texas. And uh, I sit down by him. Lee always 
came in. He set a couple of seats up from us, and Holmgren always sat in the very front right. Nobody ever said a word on the bus, which was perfect. No one needed to say a word. So Lee puts his bag under his, his seat. I slipped that remote control uh, module deal thing right on top of his bag, and I show Kent the remote control, and, and he's, He's trying his best not to laugh. And so we're going over to Soldier, Soldier Field. The wind's howling. It's raining. And I hit that machine. And you hear it. And you, and you could literally hear a pin drop for a lot of reasons. The first and foremost was that Lee Rimmel's got the farts and he doesn't know it. So I hit fart number two and it's like. And all I remember is Kent Johnson beside me laughing like Peter's laughing. Uh, oh. But Mike Holmgren was sitting in the front right, and he's doing this. <laughs> he was laughing so hard, but he would – I mean, it was all he could – and I, honestly, I'm not sure if he thought we were playing a joke on him <clears throat> or if he really had the, the farts and didn't know it. <laughs> but it was the funniest damn thing ever. <laughs> And Lee Rimmel never acknowledged. I, I, I did it probably eight times. And finally, it was like everybody was just dying laughing. We got a big game. We're playing the Bears. And at Holmgren, I think at that point, that was probably 95 or 96. So, you know, it was um, – I'd, I'd kind of earned my stripes, I guess. I right. could have a remote control fart machine. You know, it's like he's probably like, far, you know. I know he knows the game plan. I'm not worried about him. He's loosening our guys up. This is friggin' hilarious. <laughs> so that was what it was like in so, our locker room. So uh, we'll end with this. I think everybody would love to know what a day in the life of Brett Favre is like now at age 50. What do you do all day? What do you do when you wake up in the morning? There's about two or three guys that uh, I'm an early riser. Yeah, and you probably what time? Five thirty. Five thirty. I'd love to sleep in sometimes, but um, you can't. I can't. Yeah. Deanna's like, won't you Your just wife. sleep in? Let's yeah. watch a movie. Yeah. I'm like, I'm up at five thirty, and there, I, I I've tried to go back to sleep sometimes. I get up and I the first thing I always do is I eat yogurt. What kind? Um, it's a uh, Maple Hill. I, I, it's like I'm addicted to it right now. And it's yeah. strawberry-flavored Maple Hill. All right. In fact, I like it so much, the guy at the local corner market, our grocery store, will send me a text when a new shipment arrives, and I'll buy it in bulk because I don't want it to run out. And I'll have one of those with uh, really just a, it's just a regular granola, nothing, no, like, almonds. So that's breakfast. No, that's – the precursor to breakfast. Precursor. Um, so I, I, I do that. Sometimes I'll go back and lay down. But usually about 6.30 or so I'm up for, for, for good. Deanna's got me here recently within the last few months. We say uh, if she doesn't get up in time, we'll say the rosary together. You know, we're mm. born and raised Catholic. and uh, So we'll, I'll do that, and that takes 30 minutes. Um and then there's a few guys that 
like, or like me, I, breakfast is a big part of my, my day. I, I don't go without eating breakfast. So there's two places, and I eat at both places, uh, South Mouth and Midtowner. We go, we'll take turns buying breakfast. Some days I get blueberry pancakes. Some days I get an omelet. Some days I get oatmeal. And we'll just, you know, talk about what's going on. And then I usually come – on occasion I'll go hit golf balls early before it gets too hot. Hit for 45 minutes or something. Just it's pretty hot in Hattiesburg. It's very hot. Uh, you know, to say at 8 o'clock, it's cool. 88 and humid, that's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm dripping wet. But uh, I'll hit golf balls, and then I come out here and I'm doing something. You know, uh, cutting grass. Trying to outfox the beavers. Uh, try to uh, outfox beavers. Try, try, try not to, to get eaten up by uh, wild by hogs hog. or snakes. You got wild yeah. hogs out you got here. Got wild huh? hogs. What kind of snakes? Rattlesnakes, moccasins, and copperheads. Have you or, ever almost gotten bitten yeah. by a snake? Yeah. Wow. You know, you like I grew up on the bayou. Yeah. And me and my and this, when when a hurricane would hit and they hit here all the time. Some some bad, some not so bad. But they'll knock the power, power out for a couple of days. Growing up, when the power would go out, we had no hot water. So we would shower. It's not a shower. We would jump actually in the lake or the river with an inner tube and a bar of soap. Now, this is the same river. We wouldn't play with full deck. This is the same river that we would see gators all the time in. Wow. So, it's good you're still here. Now I look back and I go, what the hell were we thinking? You know, yeah. it's like now with your kids, you're like, oh, don't go do that. And you think, they only knew what I did. But you're, you're also very fit, so you ride a bike a lot too. Yeah, I, I try to ride about, um, I average about 110 to 120 miles a week. Wow. I do a couple of days usually. Like Deanna and I rode 27 miles two days ago. Uh, just – Go, you know, some of the back roads, some of the main roads, just depending on what time. And when when she got me a bike about 11, 12 years ago, is one of those bikes you pick up with one finger. Yeah. I, I said, what am I what am I going to do with that? She said, well, we can go biking together. I'm like, don't be ridiculous. I'm not biking. I said, how far do you go? She said, about 25 miles. I said, are you crazy? 25, one time, like one day. And lo and behold, she said, if you start getting into it, you won't waste your time for anything less than And she's right. Hmm. The first couple of times I went, like three miles in, I'm like, all right, let's turn around and go back. And so, I mean, I'm thankful that she, she talked me into it because it's – I love to jog, but not when it's 98 and humid. Right, you right. Know, so in the winter, I'll jog a little bit, and it's, my, my body feels okay. I'll, I ran in a half marathon last year with uh, Breeley, our youngest daughter. Wow. I mean, she said, Dad, I think I'm going to sign up for a half marathon. Will you do it with me? What are you supposed to say? I'm not doing it. Right. I said, of course I'll do it. So, uh, yeah, so I, I try to stay as in shape as possible. I mean, there's only so much we can do. I want to ask you, I said that was it, but I want to ask you one other thing because I think you would really appreciate giving an answer. I saw Sam Darnold in the summer and uh, the Jets quarterback, yeah. and he said, hey, Peter, he said, every time you have a quarterback on your podcast, I listen because I love to hear them talk about football. So 
If you had any advice for Sam Darnold, the 22-year-old second-year quarterback of the New York Jets, if he was sitting here right now, what would you say to Sam, career advice? I would say not only to Sam, but I, th I think about this often. For any young, whether he's high draft pick, no draft, uh, but a guy who is, who is playing or on the verge of playing as a young player, Darnold obviously has the talent. No question. Mahomes, no question he's got the talent. And so on and so forth. And we could go on that, down the line. But one thing I, I – and I, I'll back up. When I coached high school football, um, obviously a, a, a much different level. But I felt like where I really made an impact with those guys, not so much because I was, in, you know, a genius in the coaching uh, world. I was able to teach those kids. Some got it quicker than others. But I was able to teach them with video and from a knowledge standpoint, um, something that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. No, no disrespect to any of the other high school coaches, mm -hmm. my dad included. But I was exposed to a lot of stuff and trial and error uh, throughout my career. I mean, at year in year five, I was not near as wise as I was in year 18. Right. And maybe year five, I was a much better athlete. But I offset that by – mentally understanding the game and my deal was more I had to endure a long time because I had I had so much to gain because I I was just not exposed to so much but I remember Andy Reid telling me one time when he became my coach and this really kind of kick-started he said I can teach you in five minutes what you probably couldn't get in three or four hours you know, I'll buy that. What, what is it? He said, you know, when you watch film, you you end up, like most people, you're watching a game. And and that's true. Like, oh, did you see that tackle? And that's okay. But he said, one guy usually will tip off to you what everyone's doing. And, and he's right. You know, sometimes it's a little harder to find that key. Mm -hmm. But if, if you know what you're looking for um, – and how to look for it, you can 15 minutes of film, you can get, I, I shouldn't even say four hours of film, because if you don't know what you're looking for, you can just watch forever and go, okay, I saw him play. Um, and so I would tell Sam, find that key. Become an 18-year veteran now. And, and how you do that, um, I, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways, but Go to your coach and, you know, and, and, and figure out ways to, I don't want to say cheat, but get an edge. And uh, and I, I could have been really good had I known that, you know, in year two and three and four instead of just tunnel vision. Um, one of the fun things. When do you think you first learned that, though? Well, it started with when Andy took over as, as yeah. my coach. Um, what year was that? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, 94. No, no, excuse me, 95. No. I bet it was 96 because it didn't marry you. was there three. You? 92, 93, 94. Yeah, okay. So, Andy, one of the first things Andy said to me, Andy said, I'm not going to teach you anything about playing quarterback. 
I played tackle. I was Jim McMahon's tackle. I was his left tackle in, in college. He said, let's just get that out of the way right away because I know what you're thinking. What in the hell is Andy Reid going to teach me about drops or mechanics? And he's right. But Andy was a great, great, as you know, as everyone knows, especially people who know Andy directly, in a, in a very simple way, he is a genius. How he, his approach, how simple things he can make them seem in a very, what would seem like a very complicated uh, profession. He was able to simplify it. He's like, okay, and I'll, uh, one of the first times that I ever remember it making sense to me, he's like, the Buccaneers just started getting good, and we'll have to go back in our Rolodex here. Brad Culpepper was a nose tackle. Yeah. If you remember. Oh, yeah. They had Sap, but no one knew Sap like you would know him later. They had Lynch. No one would know Lynch. I didn't know Lynch at the time like they would know him later. Hall of Fame guys. So they were they were young and still pretty much doing as they were coached. Those are the ones that you can pick up on. Because you got Erlacher in the latter stages of his career. He's not going he's going if you go off of oh, he's blitzing because he's wanting you to think he's going to blitz. He's not going to blitz. He wants you to think that. But if it's a, a guy who's coached right out of the, you know, I want your ass Tilt nose, and I don't, you know, well, coach, that tells the offense that we're coming with a strong dog and I'm going to peel across. You do it the way I tell you to do it. Find that guy. And Andy said, when Culpepper's tilted, they're running a strong dog. So they're bringing the two linebackers a strong side. And he was right. Well, what happens is when teams get or players get seasoned and the more experienced, they don't tilt anymore. They wait to the last second. Mm -hmm. You know, or they tilt the other way. So find the guy who's doing it exactly like he's coached. Maybe it's the new rookie corner in a in a, a Chicago Bear scheme that's very simple, but with with ten other guys that have been doing it for a long time. That rookie guy is going to play cover two exactly like like they ask. Yeah. Until he, you know, you earn your stripes before you start disguising coverage. Find that guy. So that's what Andy was able to do. Good advice for Sam Darnold. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, Brett, thank you so much and uh, happy birthday. And uh, have about 50 more. When are we doing this again? Uh, we got it. We got it. We can't wait. Well, let's long. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it every 10 years. So when you're 60, I'll come back. How about that? Earlier? May have to do it earlier. Earlier. Okay. All right. I may, I may not remember who you are. 55. I think you probably will remember who I am. But anyway, thanks a lot. Yeah. And, uh, it's been fun. It has been fun.